All right, welcome to the Brain Food Podcast. This is this part three of our series on uh, Julius Caesar or part two? I guess it's part three now, right? I can't remember how many we broke it up into because this is this epic Caesar talk for the last three episodes. So uh, this is part three, right? I think so. Pretty sure. Uh, shall we just do a little housekeeping before we roll into the... Uh, I know this one's quite a long one, right? So uh, I guess we it don't want to do too much fussing around and just kind of get... And also with our technical problems, we are starting about an hour later than... An hour and 10 minutes later than expected today. Mm-hmm. Who knew podcasting was so technically difficult? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, we have an email address. It's podcast... Is it podcast or podcasts that today I found out? Podcast. It is podcast at todayifoundout.com. You can email me there. Okay, here's my problem. This is going to get really technically specific, but what's the point of having an audience if you can't ask them for favors? Okay, uh, anyone else? Windows 10 is my operating system. Skype is how we do these calls. We both use audio mixers and all of this stuff. And basically, for some reason, Davin has absolutely zero problem Despite us having almost identical setups, he has zero problem with Windows automatically adjusting his microphone sensitivity. Whereas I, every single time we start to record, it just, it listens to how loud I am. And then if I'm quiet for a while, it'll be like, ooh, I should turn up his volume. And so it turns up the volume to maximum. And then when I say something, it just blows out the audio because the, the sensitivity is too loud. We have tried literally everything that Google has suggested. Uh, it is beyond me. It is absolutely maddening. I was on the verge of going on it, not really on a rampage. You got to be careful in 2018 about what you say over the airwaves, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't really going to go on a rampage, but I was, I was pretty close to, you know, it was, it was not a healthy, healthy blood pressure was not coursing through my veins at that point. Uh, so if anyone's got any ideas, podcast at todayifoundout.com. Let me know. Or on the please. forum. Yeah. Or on the forum. For the love of God, please. Let me know. We've only spent Anything. like three or four hours on this over the last, I don't know, month or two. Dude, the only thing I think, just, think of is just like... just for the record, one of us has a master's in computer science and even I am stumped. The only thing I can think of is I've not been sacrificing enough uh, wild animals. Like that's, that's, we've tried literally everything else. I think, you know, I've got to sacrifice something to the sun god. <laughs> Should we brighten the mood and do some reviews? Yeah. I did see that we have uh, added a bunch of reviews since last week, which was nice. always nice. I, I then found out there is a way that you could sort reviews by most recent, which is uh, which is helpful because normally I was scrolling down and that got that got painful after we had many. Uh, by the way, we are having a contest that is still ongoing. When we get a hundred reviews, we're going to choose someone randomly from the reviewers, and we're going to give them a hundred dollar or your local equivalent currency uh, Amazon gift card. We're almost there, I think. Right? Almost. We're uh, we, we're doing okay. We I, it's easy. I mean, we're exactly seventy percent there because as of today, oh. as of this recording, maybe by the time you hear this, because I know we always record uh, yeah. a little bit ahead, we'll be there. But we're on seventy reviews right now and one hundred and thirty-one ratings. And initially, I thought about the ratings being the thing, but then I realized if you just rate, we have no idea who you are because it just appears as, as a statistic. We don't know who is rating, so we can't. You know, you gotta you gotta type something out. It can be simple, but we'd love any you know positive feedback or. Neg- is the negative feedback that could be a thing right mm-hmm. being like you guys suck make it better and then we'll try and make it better i've got a what have i got here essential to get the brain moving from tom Buch, maybe b-e-b-u-e-c-h-e thanks tom this podcast is fantastic it has become a quintessential ritual of mine to fire this up in the morning to help my brain start functioning and get those neurons firing i'm going to be honest i much prefer this than the youtube formats you do and i've been following for a while well i guess that's good our YouTube channel is pretty successful, so hopefully this pod- podcast will be successful as well. Mm-hmm. Simon, uh, your voice has more personality and charisma in these than the repetitive and extremely, this is getting really negative, 
extremely mimicable way you narrate your videos. Well, I'm sorry you don't like the videos so much, Tom, but I'm glad you like this podcast. He does he does follow up by no offense, which I always found quite a strange thing to put like, you're a complete dickhead, no offense. Uh, I'm sorry, Tom, I'm going to stop ribbing on you. I appreciate your five-star review. <laughs> uh, David, uh, I assume he means Davin, common mistake we always see, but uh, it's great to hear you again. There were too few of your videos and I enjoy the humor you bring to the table. So, uh, yeah. oh, there's, if I click more, the chemistry of you two is wonderful. Keep it up, guys. Also, can you do more crazy stories about businesses and their unconventional beginnings? Dude, how crazy is it that businesses are always popular? Like, there's, even on YouTube videos, anytime we do McDonald's, it's like yeah. guaranteed win. There's so many fun things, too, especially Coke. I mean, Coke has like the most, especially through the 90s, 1990s. They had so wow. many hilarious, like marketing, like just completely flubs, you know, and just like, funny things like when they, when they when they like when they marketed the thing over in Britain and implied that their little Dasani water was filled with sperm and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good uh, one. Spunk has a very specific meaning in the yeah. UK. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, you can say he's got spunk and, you know, anyone over 80 would be like, oh, he's a vigorous young man. Yeah. Anyone under 80 would be like, that means semen. Yeah. That, that, uh, yeah. And they were, they were, then there were the adverts of women splashing the, the water <laughs> yeah. all over their face, which was, uh, yeah, yeah uh, that, that was interesting. They had, a, they had a whole slew of those like type of little things throughout the 90s. And then when they, of course, in the 90s, I think it was as well, when they tried to kill their number one product, which was Coca Cola, and they just got rid of it completely and replaced it. I feel like reason. New Coke was 1980s. Uh, was it the Am late 1980s? It could be. It was that, that era. I feel they, like it was this a good was time. One of the, it was a good time for Coke. It was a good time for people telling stories about Coke 20 years later. Although yeah. Coca-Cola, I mean, still by far the most popular soft drink in the world. That I was, say. well, the new Coke whole fiasco with new Coke was actually what put them back on top. They were, they were really declining and were worried about Pepsi taking over. So they tried to make, you know, new Coke to be better or whatever and beat out yeah. Pepsi. And then uh, ended up, they took away Coke and then everyone wanted Coke. And so it all worked out for them in the end. I, I love it. I love the stories. I love, I'm a giant, I'm a, I love the products. I'm a giant Coke fan. Like, uh, Nothing better than hot summer's day. And then like, what, what do you think? What was your power rankings? Um, for me, it's number one, glass bottle. Number two, can. Number three, small plastic bottle. Number four, plastic bottle. Number five, soda. Like, although soda can be number one sometimes, depending on what mood I'm in. Define that soda. What do you mean by that? Oh, sorry. Uh, soda by us is like soda stream. So like when you're in KFC okay, and you okay, press the gotcha. button and it comes out, I realized soda is what we would call like a soft drink. I was with you through the whole thing until you went with soda and I was like, that's interesting. Do you call it post-mix? From the fountain, I guess is what all I would Ooh, say. Maybe. Fancy. Yeah. I, I, I think. I don't think I'd say anything. Okay. It is Tell really me your like, ranking, man. What was the order? Where uh, do you put this? This is seriously it, important stuff. It depends on the drink. Like uh, Dr. Pepper is my like favorite except for when you get it from the fountain it is so wildly different flavored depending on what fountain and what exact settings that it's like sometimes it's awful and sometimes it's amazing and just you never know what you're going to get so i i usually default to like a root beer like a barks root beer because that one always but, tastes okay great. but hang on you gotta have one drink so how would you rank dr pepper like uh, there was, the order a of glass, consumption glass bottle is always number one for all of them because oh, it's got the, it's got the highest carbonation level is usually because it holds the carbonation better than like the plastic, of course, loses carbonation just sitting on the shelf pretty quick. And, uh, you yeah. know, because it's like a porous material in the cans. The cans, I don't know, it gives a little bit of that flavor, whatever they have, you know, the aluminum. I know they coat the inside because aluminum is really bad for your brain. But um, so they coat, they have that like coating inside to, you know, <laughs> minimize the 
exposure there's there, got to but... be a conspiracy theory out there about <laughs> oh, people oh. who refused it there's going to be like a whole swath of the population who will email and be like guys stop drinking out of those alum- aluminium cans yeah. uh it's killing it's killing you it's killing no, your brain yeah. yeah probably not but um the glass either way the glass the glass you don't get any of that so and it also tastes the best because higher carbonation and all that so it's good stuff but yeah glass in any of them and then yeah glasses are absolutely king tangent over let's do some more reviews uh pirate boy and i'm just using this one because his username is pirate boy and oh (laughs) four star review when we ask people to be honest which is great i appreciate four stars uh good but could be better the podcast while being excellent is a bit slow in parts probably because of all of our hot coke talk from dr pepper talk right just right right, and right in the beginning when we say let's make this quick tell you what pirate boy uh (laughs) Because, you know, because we love listening to feedback, let's just jump right into it. Julius Caesar, the Ides of March, that's on the table for today. Where are we starting off? Yeah, so I feel like this first part is like, you should just cover this because you're, you know, it's got some Shakespeare quotes and you're British and it's, it'll sound better. Do you want to just give it a go, this first little paragraph or bullets? Yeah, why not? Uh, okay, so it all starts off with William Shakespeare's play. I think we've talked, uh, I, I want to go back to being slow already, but my painful experience at the Globe Theatre in London, I'll just go back and listen to to, uh, to a previous podcast to hear me rant about the Globe and their bloody seating. Like, yeah, that's in the first episode episode one for those who, uh, those who want, the Throwing Tomatoes episode, which is good, I thought. Ah, yeah. Go back and listen to episode one if you want to hear me... Uh, talk some crap about the Globe Theatre. So it's all that starts in William Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar, where Caesar mocks the soothsayer's early prediction to beware of the Ides of March, which is the, the subject we're talking about today. So basically, the kind of misconceptions about the Ides of March, they start with uh, Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen, have you seen Julius Caesar? Like, seen it in the play form? I was actually in high school for... Seen it, read it, done... In high school, true story, in the English class, we had to act it out, and I was Caesar in that one. You were? (laughs) Yeah, but not in, like, a play in front. It was, like, a play that we just did in front of, like, the class, you know? It was just, like, part of the class, so there was no audience. Just like a table read, so you were just sitting around, or you were acting We were actually on the stage, but I wouldn't call what I did acting. (laughs) I memorized the speech and then give it. But other than that, no. Me neither. Uh, Julius Caesar was not the I saw a Midsummer Night's Dream at the Globe. Uh, anyway, so in this, in this, in this play, Shakespeare writes, uh, and it's the Caesar mocking the soothsayer's prediction to beware the Ides of March. And later in the same play, Caesar says the Ides of March have come, which points out that that day did not bring any disaster. Now the soothsayer responds with a prophetic point: "I, Caesar, but not gone." And then shortly thereafter, Caesar is basically stabbed multiple times in the Senate, as many people know the story today, including by his friend Marcus Brutus. Then, as he dies, Caesar is mumbling the words, et tu, is it et tu, Brute? And then, then et tu, Brute, then falls That's Caesar. interesting, because I was wondering if it's Brute. Because I thought it was Brutus, but well, yeah, wasn't Caesar killed by Brutus? Yeah, I would say that's probably the ending in Latin. And uh, this is, I, I, I've completely forgotten my like year of Latin in college. So I have no idea, really. Yeah. I assume it's just the change of ending to. In to, many uh, languages as well. They'll, I, and I guess in Latin, yeah, they change, they change the end depending on the, the usage of the, the yeah. name. Anyway, basically, that's all kind of just made up. Yeah, that's it's 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 kind of like in any sort of thing you'll have like a movie it's based on a true story you know and then and then you know there's like two minutes of the movie that's actually fact and then the rest <laughs> is just what makes a good story 
Uh, and this is this is kind of like that same thing. I mean, Shakespeare's a little bit closer than than some on that respect, but he does get uh, you know, he doesn't quite get a lot of the details right. He's got the overall swath of it though. He's not he's not quite completely off base on things, but there's a lot of little bits that are that are quite wrong. Do you think in a couple of hundred years people will be looking back at, you know, semi-fictionalized Hollywood movies like uh I don't know, I always think about, you know, Lincoln or whatever. And like yeah. people would be like, yeah, and then this happens. And it'd be like, well, but Lincoln was, you know, partly historically accurate, but there was a lot of creative license. And whether over time that all like this is if someone asked me, how did Julius Caesar die? I'd be like, he was killed by that Brutus dude right in the Senate. Yeah. And it's like, not really. Yeah, it's uh, and that I mean, already, I mean, all the time, you know, you'll you'll have people watch like a, a doc or a, a movie based on true story. And they just kind of assume that that's what happened, you know, and uh, even like a Lincoln and they, you know. They, they take creative license and so did so did Shakespeare. So um, they were accurate about the date, though. The Ides of March 15th, yeah. uh, the Ides of March 15th of March on today's calendar. People believe that was when Caesar was murdered, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it, but he did not say about the, the, the no, not the, the two brutes. No, he didn't. He didn't. Or at least there's no record of him saying anything, actually. Uh, so he I mean, when he did die, I, uh, as we'll get into it, I think he just covered his face he knew he was a goner so he's just kind of like hiding his face for you know as he died that's a lot more sad and a lot less dramatic yeah. just like oh i'm just gonna just curl up into a little ball and die so how did we get here well we're gonna rewind a little bit just to recap a little bit of what we touched on at the end of last episode but also with mm -hmm. a few more details here so you have in rome in 44 bc it's just like i mean it's tense situation so caesar's <laughs> ordered to disband his army as we mentioned and so yeah and and come back to Rome and to to be held uh he's going to be put on trial for for some things including uh some rumors of war crimes and stuff cuz he was pretty brutal in his little conquests and stuff and he's like well if i disband my army and i no longer am going to be a governor so i'm not going to have political immunity that's you know i'm probably going to die uh if i go back yeah. so this is kind of his choice here uh, and so if he comes back with his army though he's forfeiting everything and he is i mean him and all his soldiers are going to die everyone that follows him um, if he loses. Yeah. So there's a, a Roman aristocrat that actually kind of summed up the situation good is a guy named by the name of uh, Marcus Cilius Rufus. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, do you want to read this quote right here? The closer we come to this inevitable clash, the more apparent the danger. At the heart of the issue is this. Pompey declares he won't allow Caesar to be elected consul unless Caesar relinquishes control over his army and provinces. Caesar, on the other hand, is convinced his status is threatened if he gives up his troops. So now, their scandalous liaison isn't stepping behind the scenes, but exploding into full-scale war. So he's got a pretty big decision to make. Yeah, so here, I should mention here, Caesar was going to try to come back and, and run, uh, try to be elected consul, because then he would get his political immunities back and you know, be back in a position of power. But of course, there's the interim period where it's like, ah, they might just have me killed or whatever. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. And Caesar did, he did try to make offers, you know, like, all right, so how about this? He was like, all right, Senate, how about this? I'll disband my armies, like you're asking. But at the same mm -hmm. time, exact same time, Pompey has to disband his, like all his. So they're both, we're both armyless now, and then I'll come back and my armies will be disbanded. And then the Senate at first did, they voted 370 votes to accept and 22 against. And so they voted for it. But the dissenters and Pompey were like, no, Pompey's not going to give up his armies. And so this leaves, this leaves the Senate in kind of a precarious position. So then, you know, they end up. Uh, uh -huh. So then Caesar comes back. Oh, so at this point, they, they named Caesar a public enemy. Uh, and then Caesar goes, OK, I'll make, he makes the same offer again. 
And then that gets rejected. And then later he offers, okay, just give me, I will keep one legion. I'll disband all my other legions. I can't remember. He had like a dozen or so. Uh, and he's, and I, and this is, I, I believe if I remember correctly, a legion is about 6,000 troops plus their support, which is a total of about 24,000 or so um, people each legion. Okay. So he, I mean, it's a big army he commands, uh, you know, and one legion's still decent. And he says, I'll, I'll give it up except for one legion. You let me keep that one, and then I'll go govern. Uh, I think it's pronounced Il- Ilria or something. It's it's where, yeah. around where yeah. the Balkans are today, and I'll just be the governor there. And presumably, he wanted to be a governor again because then he gets his immunity back, um, which is immunity. really it's yeah, a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, he was really keen on having because he was he was kind of brutal reputation for when he was you know conquesting peoples. And so there was, they wanted to try. Yeah, him like for, if you're being tried for war crimes, that yeah. that whole immunity thing probably handy. Yeah. So, yeah, they ended up, uh, the, some of the Senate was actually for, okay, this is not a bad idea. You know, this reduces most of his power and stuff. But uh, Cato the Younger, like, vehemently argued against it and ended up swaying the Senate for the, uh, against that. And so in the end, these are, I mean, his choices are come back to Rome without his armies, you know, disband it. And probably, mm-hmm. you know, good chance he gets, you know, executed or come back with his armies. Like, he's in a tight spat. Like, that's, that. I mean, so, of course. He's, if he's going to take one, he's a good commander, got good soldiers. He's going to say, I'll take the one that bets on me, you know, not just like the whim of the Senate. And so, you know, he, yeah. he's going to come back and uh, cross, cross the Rubicon with his army. And it's interesting to note here, he only brought one legion, which is we talked about. And the reason, interesting why, because he had so many. And in Rome, they had two legions, right, at the time. And Pompey, Pompey could raise a lot more pretty quickly. And Pompey had... Uh, other, I think in Spain, he had a few legions stashed away. And so he was going to bring them back. And, you know, so he had, he had them all. They just weren't in Rome at the time. Uh, so, and right. he could raise more. Uh, so this is, this was kind of a brilliant and very bold strategy by Caesar. Cause he's thinking, all right, Caesar's got all his legions too, but he's only got one that's ready to really march quickly into Rome. Uh, and the rest are kind of scattered about. And so he can either wait to sort of gather his forces and go with his huge army, but that also lets Pompey gather all his forces. And so then you're going to have these huge two huge clashing armies coming up against each other. So he says instead, all right, I only got one, but Pompey's only got two right now. And one of them, critically, one of them, the 15th Legion, was actually used to be Caesar's not long before, but the Senate kind of swindled Caesar out of it. So what happened, there there was going to have this war. I can't remember. uh, Where was it? Parthians. Okay. So what happened was they, they, was, they needed, they, the Senate asked, they requested for Pompey and Caesar to grant them a legion to go fight the Parthians. Uh, and then as soon as Caesar gave up his legion and they're, they're marching over uh, to Rome, they get there and they're like, oh, just, just joking. We're not going to use you. And you're now assigned to, you're now assigned to Pompey. He's your, your, he's your commander now. And so they're basically just swindling Caesar out of a, out of a whole legion, giving it to Pompey to give, you know, Pompey. And so Caesar's thinking, all if right. If I was Pompey, I would be nervous because yeah. as we, if you haven't listened to the previous episode where we talk about Caesar and his pirate adventure, yeah. it's like Caesar was captured on an island and then within like a few weeks, basically he was the leader of the pirates that had captured him and all of this, and then he came back and killed them all. It's like, if anything, people, you know, Caesar drives loyalty in his yeah. men. Like I would be super nervous about the loyalty of that legion. Well, and the th- that's the amazing thing is a lot of Caesar's best legions didn't even, they weren't even Roman citizens. They were like from Gaul and stuff. The people he had conquered are joining him. And like, and these are some of his best, you know, these big old, big old, uh, he was some of his tallest troops and like most powerful. And the, and these were like his most loyal followers. They weren't even Roman citizens, yeah. you know? So uh, yeah. And so, but at this point, his 15th, he's thinking, all right, maybe I'll go with my one legion against his two if he chooses to fight. But one of his legions 
they might just come back over and fight for me. And so this is sort of what mm-hmm. he's banking on. But what ends up actually happening is he marches and the Senate panics and Pompey panics and they think, well, he's not he wouldn't he wouldn't come without his full forces. Right. So he must be coming. He must have already mustered them and been ready. And, you know, so he's got this massive force and we only got two. So we better all we better all get out of here. And so that's exactly what they do. Not knowing he was just bringing the one. So they flee Rome. Yeah, absolutely. They, they left. Wow. And they just he marches in, marches in like a triumph, you know, just with his one legion, didn't even have to fight for it. And it's his. And then, of course, at the same time before, this is one thing is like a lot of, as we said before, a lot of historians and stuff say, oh, he was he was pausing at the Rubicon to contemplate his action, like whether he should actually do it. And this may be true. I mean, you know, they might know better than we. But at the same time, if he really was, it seems like he had already made the decision at that point because he had already months before started gathering his forces around where they needed to be to join him without actually making it, you know, so obvious that he was going to, like if he was actually, you know, gathering them all together, that would have made everyone a bit more nervous at the time. But um, so, yeah, he's gathering them in different positions. One, he's got one, I think it was down near Spain. He had like a few legions stashed there to keep Pompey's legions in Spain from rejoining him. Uh, in yeah. case, but they were still close enough to join Caesar if he needed them fairly quickly. Uh, and then he had some others. I, I I don't know. He had them stashed around and and just ready to join him if needed. But he didn't have, you know, once the decision, once the Senate had rejected all his offers of, you know, disbanding. So in a way, this whole crossing the Rubicon thing, you know, like, ah, oh, I'm going to, am I going to do it? Am I going to yeah. cross the Rubicon? And and you go, go beyond that point of no return and you should pause and think about it. And like, yeah. this is a big decision. Do you want to cross the Rubicon? Yeah. Reality was, Caesar was kind of just like, I'm nah, pretty ready for it. Let's just rock and roll. Yeah. Let's I mean, just get this done. It does seem like he was willing to work with the Senate, like if they'd made, made the arrangements. But the thing was, is he, yeah. he was prepared for if they didn't. So, I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he did pause there and think, all right, do I actually want to do this? You know, all his, all his little chess pieces were in place. But did he actually yeah. want to make the move or did he want to do something else? You know, so maybe he really did pause it just because he was prepared for the worst outcome, you know. But yeah, so he ends up, of course, marching into Rome. It's his he, without even a fight. But then, of course, uh, this <laughs> sort of will we'll kind of skip over. So basically, uh, Pompey had trouble... Uh, as they fled, he had trouble raising new troops because he hadn't commanded troops in a long time. He was older in his 50s mm-hmm. at the time. Caesar had this reputation for being completely brutal to those who stood against him. Uh, and so a lot of people were like, oh, well, what if you lose? <laughs> like, what's going to happen to us? But a lot of people were loyal to Pompey anyway, even if even if he did. And Caesar also had the reputation as a brilliant strategist and his, his reputation just kept yeah. growing. So yeah, Pompey really had trouble raising troops and stuff to go on his side and, and, and take on Caesar. And so a lot of, you know, back and forth fighting eventually. Caesar wins, obviously, and then he uh, declares himself, ultimately gets himself uh, made dictator for life. And this this was kind of the rub, the start of the rub. It's like, okay, so Sulla before had kind of paved the way for for him, for a dictator to be, you know, a dictator in Rome again. So he kind of did a similar thing to, to Caesar in taking over with his armies. How did he just get it to be dictator for life? That seems like, you know, not really very Roman. And then Caesar just comes in and, I, you know, I get that he's yeah. got a big army and stuff, but yeah, well, it doesn't I mean, seem very... Uh... Yeah, so, it, I mean, at that point, who is going to stop him, really? He's very powerful. He's got he's got influence. He's got all his soldiers at his command. He's defeated Pompey. And I mean, Pompey got uh, beheaded in Egypt when he fled to Egypt to try to sort of... <laughs> he, tried to he tried to basically, uh, you know, gather his forces there um, and sort of recoup his losses. But uh, then as soon as he arrives, they, he just gets beheaded. You should have listened to the Senate, that overwhelming majority to negotiate with Caesar. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like he got 
you know, declared dictator for life right away. But, you know, when he's stacking, no, no, no. he's, he's stacking the Senate with a lot of his former soldiers and stuff, you know, putting them in positions mm-hmm. of power. So just surrounding himself. And he's got a lot of money and influence at that point from all his conquered, um, you know, lands and whatnot. So he's, you know, he's good. But the problem is here is, is the Romans did not like Kings. Like it, this was like a thing, like a king of Rome was not going to be good. So like Sula had been a dictator, but he had never declared himself a dictator for life. And Sula actually... Right, this is what I mean. Like this, this that dictator for life thing. What's the yeah. difference between that and, and king. king? I mean, it sounds like... Yeah, re- yeah and this was... They, they're not into that. This was the whole problem because now whether this next story actually happened or not, it, you know, it's a matter of debate or how it happens. There's various versions of the story a long time ago. Yeah. So it was like, you know, 500 BC. So, uh, so the last king of Rome... Uh, so what happened was, um, so the Lucius Junius Brutus, he actually, you know, legend has it founded the Republic of Rome. And this was actually the ancestor of the more famous Brutus, um, which is kind of comes into Shakespeare's play. Of course, he, he mentions that. Um, so the sort of the legend is there was the rape of the Roman noblewoman who was, um, Brutus's kin, Lucretia by the son of the last, uh, King of Rome, which, uh, the son's name, I think was Tarquin. And the, uh, the last, he was the son of Lucius Tarquinus Superbus. Uh, but so, yeah. <laughs> Superbus. <laughs> yeah, super, super. literally spelt Superbus. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. Yeah, so the legend has it that Tarkin uh, raped her and there's various, you know, you know, supposedly like he wanted to marry her or something and she rejected him or whatever. There's, yeah. there's various versions of the story and who knows, it, you know, the, the, but whatever the case, the Romans believed it and this sparked the revolution and the founding of the Republic. And it was like, no more. Supposedly, legend has it that Brutus is one of his first acts was to be like, no more king. There's never going to be a king in Rome again. And this and so yeah. whether, whether it happened like this or not, doesn't matter. The Romans believe that's what happened. And they were they were very anti-king and a dictator for life seemed an awful lot like a king. It makes a good story, though, why they don't want a king anymore. Yeah, exactly. And kind of a fun, you know, overthrowing their rulers. And this was kind of a revolutionary concept at the time. I mean, right. I mean, what other peoples weren't ruled by some sort of monarchy back there? I mean, maybe there are some, but like there was always some sort of like a single figurehead. It seems like it was never like a republic like this. I mean, what in Greece, yeah. maybe uh, like Athens and stuff. Was that But what's the date? When are we talking? So like before uh, 500 I BC, know. I don't know. Either, either way, like most of the world was probably being run by that. Uh, yeah. Whether, yeah, he's the voice of God, which yeah. lasted for an extraordinarily long amount of time. Like this guy's in charge because he's God's representative on earth. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. like some of the earlier, early democracies and stuff like tended to flame out really quickly as, as being like a little bit mob ruley. And so this this idea of a republic was kind of a, a kind of a interesting thing for so far back. And uh, it does bring up that whole question of like it. it like over the entire course of history, democracy relatively a recent thing. Mm-hmm. I want you know it makes you wonder like is democracy what we're going to be having in a thousand years? Yeah, is and it this, going to be democracy this sort of like still, this sort of yeah this idea of more like a republic where you have representatives rather than you know like a, a pure mob rule like fifty fifty like who how are we voting like a pure democracy or whatever? Um, it's quite yeah. a, quite an interesting thing. So um, up to so now if we're kind of fast forwarding to like uh, leading up to the the Ides of March situations. So um. In yes. the, so we have Barry Strauss's book, The Death of Caesar, um, the story of history's most famous assassinations. He talks about, I mean, Caesar, they, he, a lot of people, they, they were trying to assassinate him. It wasn't just this one attempt. Like he was, he was not uh, unused to having people try to kill him um, and, and get yeah. rid of him. But he didn't, you know, he handled it. He had his bodyguards. He was very popular, good soldiers at his sides and stuff. So he had avoided all of this, he managed to stay alive and stuff. But then his his matter, his behavior just became more and more king-like. 
over time. Uh, so and then he yeah. he started to just kind of mock the Senate a little bit. So there's this famous <laughs> instance in uh, December of 45 or 45 B.C. Um, or January of 44 B.C. It's not quite clear. But um, so the Senate, they, they're going to give him. Is this about the one where he refuses to stand? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he refused. Yeah, I not, love this. Not only does they're going to honor him right in uh, in front of the temple of Mother Venus. They're going to honor him. They got this whole thing. Yeah. In and he refuses to stand to greet them when they come up. And then he makes jokes about their gift that they're giving him, like mocks it a little bit. And, you know, this <laughs> this is not looking good. He's doing this publicly, you know, mocking the Senate. So Caesar, I, I know it's just this whole thing. It's just essentially like in the modern day, in modern day parlance, Caesar's just being a bit of a dick. Yeah, just exactly. This whole thing is just like he's just being a bit of a dick. Yeah. Like <laughs> now, to be fair, Caesar's Caesar's argument was here later, according to Plutarch anyway. So Caesar says later yeah. that this was this his behavior here was not his own sort of doing. It was the it was the result of his frequent sickness, right? So this he had this he had these supposedly get seizures all the time, right? This is what everyone's always said. He gets seizures. Uh, it turns out that he probably. Oh, do we get into this today about his like about the mini stroke thing? Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly. Oh, I like this fact. Yeah. Yeah. So so well. It's long through most Stay of Stay tuned for more on that. Yeah, we'll get to it. It's long thought it's been seizures, and Caesar himself even said seizure, it was seizures that was happening. But later, uh, we're going to talk about what actually probably was happening, and it probably wasn't uh, seizures at all. But it did. It does seem to um, have influenced his behavior, which, like Plutarch says, uh, he was, uh, in this particular instance, he was feeling speedily shaken and whirled about, bringing on giddiness and insensibility. So he might, he might not have been in his right mind at this point when they were... Okay presenting with the honors and it might have been also why he didn't stand up because he you know couldn't stand up either way it doesn't look good yeah it doesn't look good and so another incidence where a crowd uh, a crowd just started calling him rex which they just started chanting and uh, as, as king you know that's just latin for king and so they ended up what happened was when this happened one the senate's not liking this he's actually being chanted the crowd's calling him king uh and two a couple of the tribunes are they chanting it at wait him. they're chanting king the, like they think it, yeah they're like you you know crowd like they're like king king you know like that you're our king you know and so th this crowd of romans is calling him king like they're just they're not even hiding it that they're you they're know. not because i was thinking maybe they're being sarcastic about it maybe he's like you know it's his power is overbearing or something and no. they're like king 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 like you're acting like a king but you're not no it's, it appears that they were actually because the the two two tribunes gaius epidus Merulus and lucius Caestus Flavus. i don't know uh, yeah good good job i don't know I, by the way i love how like people have been commenting on i think the forum or on on reviews or whatever how eh, pronunciations you could absolutely get away with in the podcast from me like i'm just gonna take my best guess yeah if i take my best guess in a youtube video people are like what the hell how can you be so inaccurate and i'm like well, what's the difference i think just one's a bit more casual so yeah yeah i guess yeah this is casual conversation and that's more of scripted so they probably expect you know a little more so yeah, so Caesar had these two, or he he got really mad about the, the fact that they arrested his uh, his you know people, or the people who started yeah. the the king chant, and uh, so he he removed them from their position, right, and uh, stripped them of their titles. Just you know, they were tribunes, now they're not. He's just because they arrested these people who started a chant that was calling Caesar king, and it's, it's like not gonna look good. Yes, the, the Senate didn't appreciate that. And then coming up next, right on the heels of this, with the feast, uh, the Lupercala festival, which is sort of a yeah. um, fertility festival they did. Which, um, uh, so yeah, Mark Antony. Now this one, it seems like maybe Caesar was trying to do a little damage control here, because so Mark Antony presents Caesar with a uh, with a crown, basically a diadem, yeah, and he to, to to crown him king, you know. And Caesar 
in front of the crowd, refuses it. And then Mark Antony tries again. And then Caesar again refuses it and says, Jupiter alone of the Romans is king. And uh, so, of course, he's, he's being like, I'm not king. Jupiter's king. And the crowd, you know, goes crazy. And they're like, oh, you know, how great is Caesar? And so I this- mean, how, how, <laughs> how recently after this are we talking? This sounds like modern day political damage yeah, control. It's, it's, it seemed like that's exactly what he was going for. It's just like, all right, everyone, <laughs> I need to tone this down a little bit. Because yeah. he, was, he was about to go out campaigning. And once he's campaigning with his legions, if he's making lots of victories and stuff, nobody, the public's not going to mm-hmm. care. He's bringing back lots of riches to Rome. He's conquering, you know, conquering hero type for Rome out there. Uh, and he's popular. The parallels between this and modern day politics are utterly amazing. Yeah. Just yeah. like, oh, we need something distracting that makes everyone look good. Like I, I always think about uh, George W. Bush and how he was the highest and lowest rated US president yeah. ever. Like, you know, something terrible happens like 9-11 and it's like, he's just responding to it mm-hmm. and he's just doing, you know, he's doing what the people want. It's like, we're going to fight back all of this stuff. And it's like approval ratings suddenly huge yeah, because huge. there's this, there's this distraction. Yeah. It's like Caesar going out conquering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yay. Exactly. So he's about to. So if he can just, you know, last <laughs> to that time, you know, it's, it's, and, 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 you know, even though he's, he's doing his best, like, He's he's doing he's like trying to be like hey I'm not trying to be king even though at the same time he's like doing everything in his power to acquire to acquire all the you know the the mm-hmm. sort of the power that you would associate with the king like uh, at the same time um so but yeah so the senate's it, this is it's kind of coming to a head because they know he's about to go campaigning and they're like if we don't get him now like we might not have another chance for years yeah uh, and then once he's established for so long you know he's just going to get wealthier and more powerful uh, this is a problem. And so this this comes back to the conspirators. And so Shakespeare, he gives the credit to Brutus and Cassius uh, or Cassius. Uh, he gives them the credit. But actually, it, it's actually thought that outside of Plutarch, everyone thinks is, is a guy by the name of Decimus Junius Brutus Albinus. Um, so mm-hmm. he, he does appear in the Shakespeare play and, and Shakespeare calls him Decius instead of Decimus, even though his name is Decimus. Uh, so he even gets his name wrong as well as his part in the, yeah. in the play, uh, in the story. Which it's a, it, just to remind, it, it is a play. Yeah. I think the fact is, it's just so many people associated with historical yeah. facts. But it's like he can, even if it's a, even if it's a mistake, even if it's not a mistake, it doesn't matter. It's not Shakespeare's yeah. fault. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's kind of funny though that Shakespeare not only downplays his yeah. role, but he also gives him the wrong <laughs> name. Like, wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Decimus, the, the reason why Decimus was so critical in this is Decimus was actually a very close friend of Caesar and someone Caesar implicitly trusted. He was one of his, you know his people in his army. He'd long supported Caesar through all this. Um, throughout the war with Pompey, he was on Caesar's side, you know, huge, huge supporter. And he was a close friend. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's not actually clear. No one really knows why Decimus turned against him, like in the end. Uh, so there's like, you know, like different, you know, theories is maybe he felt slighted because Caesar let some of his other um, lieutenants have um, triumphs, triumph parades, which, you know, they earn a lot of PR yeah. move for, from the crowds and stuff, uh, get to march through Rome and everything all looking awesome. And he didn't let Decimus do this, even though Decimus had tons of victories in uh, under his belt as well. And so there's kind of maybe he was maybe he was mad about this or maybe he was just jealous of Caesar or maybe he just really thought Caesar was going too far or something. Whatever the case. You can imagine uh, it sounds like it's probably a combination of a bunch of things. Yeah. And Decimus, he was finally like, I'm kind of sick of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of this guy. So, yeah. 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 So he was he was integral to this because he was close to Caesar. He, he, he was, you know, a good friend and everything. And he ended up being the one to convince, uh, supposedly at least, to convince Caesar to actually go to the Senate that fateful day. So even though... He, Sounds like Decimus kind of has had, had the, uh, the Brutus role. Yeah, a little bit. Because Brutus, actually, the thing is, is Brutus wasn't... Like Shakespeare 
presents them as like almost like this like father son or like mentor mentee like really close when in fact yeah. that's not really substantiated by the evidence because like Brutus during the war with Pompey he, he fought with Pompey not not Caesar you know and he didn't right. he, he didn't seem to have any problem with this so yeah and so he did end up actually becoming an ally of Caesar but uh, eventually but to 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 that point in order for Caesar to get that he had to pay Brutus a lot of money to get him to switch sides <laughs> and give him a political appointment so it wasn't like they were bosom buddies and now it was Caesar. Right. Not exactly a father-son relationship. No. And so Caesar was, uh, uh, Brutus's mother was one of Caesar's mistresses at one point. And so this, this may be because, uh, so maybe there was some, and some, some have speculated even that Brutus was his son and they, but, but that actually probably isn't the case because he would have had to father Brutus when he was 15. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not impossible, but you know, it doesn't seem very likely. Um, so some of the evidence that like people point to, ah, but Caesar, for whatever reason, during the war with Pompey, he said, Brutus, bring him back alive. Uh, I, I yeah. don't kill him. Um, so and nobody knows like why. Why did Brutus get this, you know, special treatment there? And, and it's thought maybe it's just because out of affection for his mother, you know, he was his mistress. So maybe he was like, all right, I'm not going to kill your son. Um, but sure, that doesn't actually seem to be like a, a much like like the way Shakespeare portrays. It doesn't really seem to be that there was a, a close relationship here uh, between them. But Decimus, Decimus well, did, you know, he did have a good relationship. Uh, with Caesar, so um, oh, so Caesar, Caesar thought, <laughs> yeah. On top of this, with their relationship seeming a little tenuous, you know, like that they weren't close. Not only this, not only does Caesar have to bribe him to come over and give him a political appointment, but mm-hmm. Brutus actually goes out of his way to divorce his wife and marry uh, his cousin Portia, who is the daughter of Cato the Younger, who is uh, also yeah. uh, like a huge enemy of Caesar. So he he, he marries his you know one of Caesar's big enemies' daughter. You know, like not, you know, not long before the assassination. So he wasn't exactly like, hey, trying to buddy up with Caesar at this point either. Um, and so, yeah, it doesn't really seem like Brutus and Brutus and he were kind of the way Shakespeare portrays it anyway. And, and a lot of like the Rome, okay. the, the uh, HBO's Rome series, they, they Brutus is very conflicted about the whole thing. And, you know, he first he, he does have this like relationship with Caesar, which that, that's a good show. Have you ever seen that? No, a friend of mine used to rave about Rome, but it was yeah. about 10 years ago now, right? Yeah, this this was like almost like Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones, like a, a little bit of the style, but lower budget and all that. Uh, it, was, it was quite it was quite good. It was only two seasons. Um, I, I liked it, actually. Okay, I'll check it out. I'm, I'm not a big fantasy person, I think, as we've discussed before, so I've never really got into Game of Thrones. But this, if there's just history, I'm yeah, into that. Yeah, this, this one's, I mean, it's like a, a version of history, you know, but but it's still quite entertaining and yeah. I think quite quite good it's got a lot of it's got a lot, a lot of the the stylistic elements of i think the game of thrones someone is can be a little bit not not as much but they you know can be a little bit uh, gratuitous violence and stuff like that at times there that's cool i'm okay yeah. with gratuitous violence yeah. i'm just not okay when they're like yeah and then caesar had a dragon yeah and then they have like, the no they have like no, the, uh, no dragons yeah they have the like the obligatory like nudity and sex scene in there that they just throw in every it episode is HBO, for, you know, it's for HBO. whatever <laughs> reason uh just they got it and it is funny because as you're watching there's always like one Every there's like just one scene that you could totally cut it out and it doesn't make any difference to the story, but they're just throwing it in just because they're like, we're HBO and we can. I just I just feel the only reason they do it is just to make people feel awkward on planes. Because now it's like, yeah, I can watch this on my mobile phone. And then it's like, oh, I was. uh, Oh, what was I watching? I don't even remember now. It was some movie and I was just watching it on my phone, just on a crowded flight. And I'm like, oh, there's an incredibly graphic sex scene. Just shielding my phone away like. Uh, 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 
And now back to the action. And then from that moment on, you're like, I'm going to watch out now. This brings us to the soothsayer in Shakespeare's play, right? So this uh, he's saying, beware the Ides of March. Ah, back and to, uh, yeah. This actually, this is a version of something like this happened, but it wasn't, it was a Hereskes by the name of Spurina who tells, uh, mm-hmm. he tells Caesar, he doesn't say beware the Ides of March. That's not what he's saying. He does the, these. Typical thing you'll, you know, fortune tellers will do. He's vague. Her respects is a fortune teller then. Yeah, basically, if I remember correctly, okay. it's, it's basically their role. But he, he, he does what fortune tellers do is really vague so that he probably won't be wrong. So he says, <laughs> he says to Caesar, don't, he's not saying beware the Ides of March. He says, beware the 30 day period ending on the Ides of March. Uh, so it's like this period. And this is not. This is not a difficult prediction. Like there's assassination attempts happening. There's rumors swirling that they're going to get rid of him. And so this is not like a bold prediction. It's like, yeah, beware the Ides of March because right after the Ides of March, you're leaving town with your armies. So, you know, if they're going to do something, they're going to do it before you leave. So, you know, this is not classic fortune teller. (laughs) Yeah. It's like something bad's going to happen to you. And it's like, you couldn't say that to a regular person, but it's like, nah, Julius Caesar, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. I feel like you could say that to any person of power like yeah. something dangerous is going to happen to you in, in, in the next in the next 30 days yeah. really well, you genius and he's not even really saying like it's definitely going to happen he's just saying beware something might yeah. happen in the next 30 days because <laughs> i've seen like the signs so you just be careful you know it's like okay so if nothing happens it's because he's be careful or whatever but uh, yeah so this is this is where that sort of beware the ides of march things comes in uh but it's really just like a 30-day period because Caesar was going to leave. Again, it's like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And it's like people were, you'd think, oh, surely, like 2018. Yeah. Like, that's not going to be a thing. Yeah. That's definitely not going to be a thing. We're going to have evolved past that. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Fortune telling still definitely a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got Miss Cleo, who's like hugely popular. <laughs> yeah. Or was, I should say. Miss Cleo? Miss Cleo. Have we not done that one yet on YouTube? No. That what is, is that? sure to be popular. How, is, how have we okay. not well, done them? I've really not put that script in there yet. This, Dude, is, this is a great uh, one. Not, not recently. No, okay. I, I'll just uh, stay tuned. Miss Cleo, her, her little... Okay. You don't know who Miss Cleo is, really. Well, give me give me two sentences. Uh, I, I know that that four-star reviewer was like, get on with it, boys. But uh, we, got, we got time. Just give, uh, give me, me, now I'm super curious. Okay, Google Miss Cleo. If you don't recognize her instantly, I, this may be like a few years before your time, actually, because it was like in the late 90s when you might not have been sort of watching the late night infomercial Miss Cleo. Recognize her? Dude, also, you got to remember, I... I'm getting a lot of things for pornography. <laughs> really? That's weird. Yes. I must have spelt it wrong. Miss oh, no, I spelt it right. Cleo? Oh, I spelt it Ms rather than Miss. Uh, yeah, if you search uh, Ms. Ms. Cleo, there is a lot of like porn. The, if you search she's like Ms. the fake, fake Jamaican, uh, like, call me now for her fortune telling thing. It was like a whole fortune telling empire. They made, I, I want to say, like a couple billion dollars. She didn't actually make that much at all. Uh, she was just like a. She also she also didn't foresee her own death from yeah. colon cancer at the age of fifty three. Yeah, she she was, want to be morbid about it. Yeah, yeah. She was a interesting character. She had a podcast for a while right before her death. Uh, but yeah, she actually. Oh, she died recently. Yeah, she didn't make. Uh, she didn't make a lot of money. Actually, people think she got like super wealthy because the people behind the whole Miss Cleo thing actually did get like insanely wealthy. Uh, but she was just a, she was just an employee of them and just a really bad. But anyways. Stay tuned for that video because it's actually quite interesting her story. You've also got to bear in mind I've never I've never seen her, but it's also like late night infomercials. I don't know what that is. Like oh, that's I great. didn't grow up with all this okay. stuff. We had four TV channels, and I think some of them just stopped broadcasting at night. Like 
This is the thing. Television, like I feel now, is more globally caught up. But back in the day, it was really like if you turned on Channel 4 before 7 a.m., it was just... Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe this is another thing that will get lost in translation. There's a there's a woman sitting at a chalkboard and she's doing like she's writing something on a chalkboard. And it's like just making a boop sound. Do you know what I mean at all by that? I know we have like the little they'll have like a color bars on the screen and then it's like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the color bars down yeah. the side. Exactly. Yeah. This would be on TV until like seven o'clock hmm. on some channels. We did <laughs> TV. TV when I was yeah. growing up was so far behind America. It was crazy. I'm surprised Miss Cleo didn't make maybe it's her fake Jamaican Jamaican uh, shtick wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't have, uh, you know, played in, in Europe or something. I don't know. But yeah, huge in America. She was very popular for a while with her little. Uh. Okay. a little fake thing but anyways it's an interesting video it'll do great when when it goes up i'm quite sure so where were we uh the predictions so we're coming up to it uh so caesar's about to go off campaigning and he knows he knows the senate like there's rumors swirling the senate like if they're gonna do it that's where they're gonna attack him is in the senate or at least when the senate's yeah. meeting he doesn't actually go to the senate building because it's being renovated at the time um but he knows that's what it's gonna be because he's gonna be unarmed and um, they're not allowed to bring his soldiers in and stuff like that. Now, he did have soldiers, some of his former soldiers, where he had strategically placed to be senators. So they were in there with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and this is where like his his wife, of course, this this actually did happen. Uh, Calpurnia did say she had dreams. Of course, of course, she's going to have bad dreams. She's hearing the, this rumor swirling again. She's having dreams that, you know, he's going to get assassinated or whatever. So she's telling him this and he knows that's where he's going to be most vulnerable. He doesn't have to go. He can just stay home. But then this is where uh, uh, Nicholas of Damascus writes, if you want to read this quote. His friends were alarmed at certain rumors and tried to stop him going to the Senate house, as did his doctors, for he was suffering from one of his occasional dizzy spells. His wife, Calpurnia, Calpurnia, sorry, his wife, Calpurnia, especially, who was frightened by some visions in her dreams, clung to him and said that she would not let him go out that day. But Decimus, Brutus, one of the conspirators who was then thought of as a firm friend, came up and said, What is this, Caesar? Are you a man to pay attention to a woman's dreams and the idle gossip of stupid men, and to insult the Senate by not going out, although it has honored you and has been specially summoned by you? But listen to me. Cast aside the forebodings of all these people and come. The Senate has been in session waiting for you since early this morning. This sounds all a bit convenient, like her having the dreams. And I know, you know, this was a really long time ago, so often this stuff can get a bit... Yeah. Is this a contemporary report? Uh, no, Nicholas... Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, reasonably close. I feel like Nicholas of Damascus was one of the more uh, more one of the more contemporary. Some of the others obviously came much later. So yeah, you always have to... Especially, this is always the thing. Like, so... You have like um, Plato, you know, is talking about Socrates. Like this is always this always bothered me. So, so you have Plato yeah. writing about what Socrates said, right? But like a long time after Socrates, he's writing about what Socrates said. So is this really just what Plato's saying that Socrates said? You know, because he's not going to remember the exact quotes. Did he sit there and write them down at the time? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that's how how no. he thought. And so he's really like paraphrasing what. So so whenever you see these like quotes, like Socrates said this, was like, well, no. Plato said this, and it was something that uh. Socrates maybe inspired the idea, of course. So it's maybe like paraphrasing something he remembers. But even then, it's years later. So is he really remembering or is he just making a point, you know, about things that were discussed and he kind of, you know, has notes on or whatever? Uh, so you have all these like exact quotes and it's like, well, can you really say that's an exact quote of Socrates or should we just say that's Plato? It's always, I, I think I've mentioned it before, I read a lot of biographies and you'll often get it and there'll be like, excerpts of conversations that people had in the 1970s yeah. and it'd be like so i had this meeting at this company and yeah. this happens and yeah. it's like but there's no mention of 
this isn't word for word exactly what happened. It's my recollection of the yeah. meeting that happened 70 years ago, flavored over 40 years, very heavily by my own yeah. perspective. Yeah. And how, how often, I mean, think even like a year ago, a conversation, maybe even an important conversation you had. Can you really remember what the person Dude, said exactly? Dude, last week's podcast, I couldn't tell yeah. you what we were talking about. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so this is the thing. So anytime, this happens all the time when researching something, it'll say like, you'll see one, one place, one source will quote this person and say they said this and they'll, they'll give the quote and then you kind of look into the quote and you kind of research further and you realize, oh no, this was actually someone else who said, who witnessed the supposed thing and they're saying this other person said this. And so, I mean, in those cases, sometimes you can be reasonably sure, in some cases anyway, uh, that, you know, they said something like that. But to actually say they said yeah. it exactly, again, it comes down to like, yeah, you know, probably not. And when it comes to dreams, it's just like this on steroids because yeah. there's like, oh my God, I dreamed this. And it's, it's kind of like that sort of reverse deja vu yeah. where it's like, I had a dream about this. And it's like, no, you didn't. You just think you did. And you're kind yeah. of putting this memory now and you're pasting it onto uh, something similar even very tangentially similar that you dreamt about before. You did not dream this. And it's it's like every time you have deja vu, you're like, no, this time it's real. Yeah. And then you're like, oh no, of course it's not. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And we have like false memories. Like you see all those studies. It's not just like, so you have those famous like, you know, studies where they'll ask someone like, what color shirt were they wearing? And then the people get it all wrong. And, and then maybe they even like misremember and think, oh, he was wearing a suit. And it turns out it's like really easy to convince people. And like, even like that with not even just the color, it's like, okay, now it's like the he was wearing like a, a red blazon suit or something like this really hideous thing when he was really wearing a white t-shirt or something, you know? Have we done anything on, on the photograph one? No, I don't think so. You know what? If, oh, so we haven't. We haven't. This one's amazing. I, again, this is where we move away from today. I found out knowledge and into Simon's memory. Yeah. But if I'm getting this right, this would be an amazing video or podcast discussion. There was a scientist and he showed like a, a group of people uh, a photograph. And he was like, remember everything in this photograph. And then they, so they memorize it as absolutely best they can. They're just trying to take like a mental picture of this photograph. And then every year for like 20 something years, the scientist invites all these people back and says, describe the photograph to me. Doesn't show them the photograph again. The photograph is sealed in an envelope. And he says, just describe the photograph to me. He does this for like 20 years. Every year they're coming in, they're in the photograph described. And then the final time, they come in, it's like two decades later or whatever, and the scientist opens the, opens the envelope, takes out the photograph and shows it to the participant. And the participant would swear that it is a different photograph. Mm -hmm. Because every time they've recalled that memory over the last 20 years, once a year, and all of the times in between as they think, oh, I've got that thing coming up. Because every time you remember something, you're essentially writing in over it. Mm -hmm. It's like your memory is altered every time you remember it. And just this photograph thing is just such a beautiful illustration of yeah. like how fallible and false our memories can be. Yeah, and this is this is where it always comes down to, you know, so many trials, like court cases come down to like eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness, useless. It is completely <laughs> and 100% useless, even even when they see it like the day before and they're in, and obviously in most court cases, it's actually they're re recollecting from quite a while ago. You can so, especially these lawyers are really good at manipulating, you know, the people. And so it's like, you can, you can even have them remember like completely nothing even close to what actually happened. And you can, you know, even if you had video footage, you can be like, ah, here, and they have something that like happened a week ago. And they'll, they'll be so convinced that it happened like a completely different way. And it's just like, yeah, yeah the false memories, it's, it's like a thing. So anyways, we're getting... I just, just, what, just, just one more, I know. <laughs> Maybe we'll edit this out with a little guitar transition, but I, I love this false memory stuff. We got to do more in the future. Yeah. But the only thing I've ever had was I, I witnessed a car accident, like right in front of me. Like I was like, this is what happened. 
And then six months later, a year later, I just get a random thing through the post saying, hey, uh, you were, because I pulled over and I was like, you all right, blah, blah, blah. Everyone was okay. Everyone, you know, they called the AA or whatever, and it was all good. Then I get like this thing and it's like, hey, uh, we need you to like write an account of what happens and draw a picture. And I was like, I was trying to do it. And then I'm like, I'm just making this up. Like, I'm really (laughs) not sure what's true and what's not. So I just write, I'm really sorry. Yeah. I saw this but I can't accurately say what I saw yeah. because I'm just, I just don't know anymore. Yeah, well, exactly. And this, this, this that's good because most people think they do know, you know, and they'll, they'll think, oh no, I remember that. And it's like, no, you probably don't actually remember that at all. Um, the, the odds it's are crazy. extremely strong um, that you don't remember it, right? So this woman had a dream that's probably a lie. Well, Let's she, get back she to may, she may, you can understand why his wife, I mean, she knows she's hearing the, the rumors swirling, why she would think like having bad dreams about her husband, you know, being assassinated because everyone's saying he's going to get assassinated, you know, rumors are swirling. Yeah. Uh, so that, my whole point is it sounds much better after the fact of it actually yeah. happening. And if it never happened, it would never be recorded. Yeah. And exactly. <laughs> and so did Decimus really say, you know, so Nicholas of Damascus has this long quote and it's like, you can see how this quote seems more like a, kind of the gist of the idea of what he said, because it's very, it's a very convenient quote, you know, like, oh, you know. Yeah. And so it's probably more like, you know, the rumors were, oh yeah, Decimus, this guy, he convinced him to go to the thing. So Nicholas of Damascus is like, all right, so he says this, you know, you're going to listen to your wife, you know, like, who, because honestly, who is there to write down, this is the other thing. So we talked about a couple episodes ago, where one of the ways you can always get, you can kind of start to feel like something, a story, like an old anecdote isn't true is when it kind of gets vague. And there's this other end of it. Yeah where it gets too specific, where it's like, wait a minute, so who was actually listening to this quote? So you got, you know, Calpurnia is there, right? And you got Caesar, maybe some aides or something. You know, he's got his his people around that work in his household yeah. and, and Decimus. So so where's, who's who's saying this quote happened? You know, so Calpurnia <laughs> after, is she telling someone this is what happened? It's not like Nicholas of Damascus is like sitting there in the corner yeah. being like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like down. stenography machine. Yeah, and this this happens a lot when you're looking up stuff when people when it starts to get too specific. And sometimes sometimes it right. can because later you look into it and it's like, oh, well, actually, yes, there was someone who was like an eyewitness who then wrote down his account later. But like, yeah. but but a lot of times you look into it and it's like, wait, no, there was actually no one there who could have you know earn that and then you know you can kind of debunk things that way sometimes anyway so apparently Decimus goads him into going he's his friend why, right. why would yeah. he go and okay. this this is there's an important point though in this quote assuming it's it's accurate is say he says Caesar was suffering from one of his occasional dizzy spells right and this is important because why would Caesar go to the Senate when he knows he hears the rumors he knows that's where they're going to attack him he knows if they're going to attack him it's going to be like then like right then and yet he goes. And so there, there's been speculation that this dizzy spell, like he might not have been in his right mind once again um, when he was going, you know, not thinking quite clearly. So he had his, um, this he had what was called the, uh, Hippocrates called it the sacred disease, uh, his morbus comitalis. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's supposedly these seizures and Caesar loved this because it was like, it made him touch, you know, people who had seizures where they were touched by the gods. That's what the Romans thought. So it was like, you know, he's touched by the gods. Like, that's a great thing. But the problem is, is like uh, when you actually look at this, he didn't have this start happening till really late in life. And that's pretty rare for people, you know, epileptics, but, you know, you're, you're yeah. more of a lifelong. I mean, you can have like a head injury or something. And that's certainly he's a soldier, so it's possible. Um, mm-hmm. But when you actually look at the symptoms, the way they're described, um, they actually think it was more. Uh, so this doctor, Francesco Galassi and Hutton Ashrafian. Uh, they think it, yeah. his symptoms much more closely looked like transient ischemic attacks. 
Uh, so these are just basically mini strokes. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it, it kind of limb weakness, sudden falls. Uh, he had headaches and dizziness and stuff like that. Um, so a lot of it wasn't quite like a like an epileptic, like you would think like that. I think it's the clonic tonic seizures. Is that what it's called? Something like that. The ones where Ooh, they actually I don't know. jerk around. Uh, so there's other types of seizures. There's the one where, where actually the person just gets a seizure and they're just standing there like a blank stare, not moving at all. And you and they just become unresponsive. There's lots of different types like that. But the type this was yeah. supposedly that that, you know, jerking around type. Um, but when you actually look at his symptoms and stuff, it seems like, or at least according to them, seems more like a transient ischemic attack. And so these mini strokes. It is cool how how there's all these recordings of like people's symptoms in history. Yeah. And now as our like knowledge of medicine increases, we can go back and like diagnose people yeah. who had just, they had this disease we had no idea about. Yeah. And it only, and, it only popped up very late in his life. So that was one of the, one, mm-hmm. one of the other keys is they're thinking, oh, this is, he's probably just having these mini strokes and this is causing him not be in his right mind all the time um, and and to you know limb weakness and stuff like that in these falls that he's having uh so it's possible that might be why he went or maybe i don't know like it seems it seems very curious because he's a you know brilliant strategist all this he knows i mean he knows this is this is where they're going to attack him if they're going to and yet he goes so whatever the case maybe maybe just decimus is like what are you going to listen to a woman like hell no he's like i'm a man i'm the ruler of this <laughs> this nation i'm going but who knows who knows? I wear the toga in this relationship. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, again, contrary to the popular belief, so he did not go to the Senate House because it was, as we were saying, uh, it was being renovated at the time. And also yep. Shakespeare said he went to the Capitoline Hill and he did not go to Capitoline Hill. He went to, ironically enough, the Portico of Pompey, which was uh, which was oh, putting on Pompey. Yeah. So, I, again, like this is like how perfect is that? The senators probably are like, yeah, yeah let's assassinate him at the this portico would be even of better for shakespeare why didn't shakespeare yeah. use the fact this is a better story i don't know maybe he didn't maybe he didn't know uh but uh, either way so there were there were gladiatorial games going on there and this was mm. actually part of the senate scheming or the, the conspirators i should say the the members uh is they also wanted this is where decimus came in again is that he provided the gladiators for the shows that were going on and the specific point was is if the conspirators needed help, like if Caesar somehow broke free or some of the other senators came to his aid, you know, his former soldiers or maybe he gets some of his guards to rush in, whatever the case, if they need some backup, if the senators need backup, the gladiators are just outside and they will come rushing in. And these are these are Decimus's men. And so they're going to these gladiators yeah. are there to sort of back up the assassinator, uh, the people trying to assassinate him. Wait, why are the gladiators Decimus? They just happen to be Decimus's men. Yeah, I'm sure he he probably bought them or something. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so they were they cool. were his gotcha. they were his gladiators, whatever the case. He he probably bought them at some point. And was okay. they were putting on the gladiatorial <laughs> games right there? Yeah. So they come. This this actually starts to get. I'd a be little, so nervous if I was Caesar. Yeah. Like, it's like what's up with that? To- totally, because not what's only that, this? one of his yeah. one of his chief people, like Mark Antony, is one of. I mean, he's in his, he's a he's one of Caesar's most ardent supporters. He's also a very yeah. talented soldier, and Caesar himself is a great soldier. So you get Mark Antony and Caesar, even weaponless, fighting back to back. Like that's not a good. Mm-hmm. That's going to delay the assassination pretty good. And Caesar's got a lot of supporters in the Senate who might then also come to his aid. So you know this is this is of course where the gladiators might have come in. Um, but it turns the ultimate like it's a trap. Yeah, and so this is the thing: is outside Mark Antony's with you know he's coming, but he actually gets distracted outside. They specifically uh, Gaius Turbonius Turbonius uh, uh, is assigned to keep Mark Antony out while Caesar goes in. And uh, so he's he's distracting him, talking to him outside. Caesar walks in. They start to approach him and he gets suspicious. He sees this big group coming at him and he's like, oh, but then they. Um, this is like a TV show. Yeah. You know? The, uh, yeah. you know, you can imagine being that kind of omnipotent viewer as it's kind of like and you're like, oh, 
this isn't good. This isn't good. And you know, Caesar can see it in his eyes. Yeah. And he's like, I feel like every podcast we come up with an idea for a movie. Yeah. Well, it's that's like, well, that's this what, would be that's great. what I always, it's, I think it's because when we pick the topics, it's like, oh, this is a good story. You know, like we're not going to yeah. pick the ones where, where they're dumb stories. Uh, so yeah, this is, uh, this obviously, I mean, it's a famous Shakespeare player version of it. So, uh, so this, this, actually, yeah, but this is, this I feel like is, yeah, it's even more dramatic. There's all these little things that he left out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the thing like we're working on right now. Uh, the, the, um, the saga of the heist of sex.com. Right. So, yes. you know, this one yeah. that I was supposed to have, I was totally done with it or I thought on Thursday, last Thursday, and then I came across, I was doing, I was looking on the Wayback Machine, kind of like This at, was about the guy who ran off to the Caribbean or something with the domain, yeah. right? And <laughs> this, this is the thing. So I'm looking, I, I think it's done. It's like 3,000 words or something, right? It's long. Because uh, it, it's interesting. It's, an, it's a fascinating story. Uh, but then I'm looking, I'm just trolling through the Wayback Machine, looking at these different things, you know, little contemporary accounts, you know, stuff that's not on the internet anymore. And I come across this uh, in the Wayback Machine an article from uh, Playboy, uh, the magazine. It was a PDF version of it. And it goes and it's, yeah. it's discussing this this heist. And they had so much more information that like put me down like a whole nother rabbit hole trail. They had so much information that nobody else had. And then, of course, once I get the things, more things to search for and then I can zero in on it. And now it's now I'm still working on it. And it's like 4000 words now. And uh, I'm almost <laughs> done, though. But this is the thing is like this, their version, they had so many of these details that made it so much more interesting, like it more of a story, like it brings it to life a little bit. Some of these quotes and stuff, because they actually had interviews with both sides. And this is the thing, yeah. like where the two sides of this were on, it's almost like a game between the two of them trying to catch, you know, like the, like the little like Shakespeare Moriarty thing and both like geniuses in their own right. And, uh, in this, this con man who's involved, he's not only a master con man, but he's like a master at, at manipulating us law. Like it just to, to whatever, get away with anything he wants. And so it makes awesome. him, makes him an even better character, even though he's like conning people all the time and like getting away with it. And brazenly, he's just like all the time doing these things, like even flaunt or flaunting it in front of like uh, police officers that are following him. He's like, Hey, you know, like calling him up and taunting them and everything. Like you can't catch me. There's an enormous resemblance to uh Frank Abigail. Catch me if you can. Yeah. And, and, One of my favorite movies. Yeah. And in this case though, he's not even just like on the run. Catch me if you can. He's like, here, I'm right here. Take me. Oh, what? You can't find anything on me, even though I do all this other stuff. Yeah. Like oh. what's up? Yeah, exactly. He's it's anyways, sidetrack. But the point is that story also, it's like that extra details like really brings it to life. Like when you read like the Wikipedia page on it, it's quite boring. And you read the, the trial yeah. notes, like all the, I went through all the trial notes and everything. And you know, it's, it's a trial notes. It's really boring and dry. But then you start. To, <laughs> Are we doing this as a podcast or a video? Oh, I want to do it as a, as a podcast. But unfortunately, remember, nice. we have the sponsorship. Uh, so we got to do it as a video. Ah, uh, wait, who's sponsoring us for sex? The, uh, it's the one, the password place dash. To which place? Oh, Dashlane. Yeah, Dashlane, Dash that's cool. the one. And yeah, that's good because that's a guaranteed demonetization. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. And well, that was the, that was the other reason I thought it would be a really good one there. And um, and then I was it was it kind of fits with what they're doing, you know. Uh, with hey, tell you what, I mean, if it's a long one, we can come back in a year and we can podcast about it when everyone's forgotten. Yeah, well, because there is more that like it's four thousand words now, and you know that's that's long. That's like that's way long. Yeah, but uh, there's more. There's so much more that I've cut out. But it's, yeah, it is that those sort of extra things that sort of bring the whole story to life, which here we you know you don't really get like the, the Shakespeare version of it, I think. Hey, well, guess what? If you're listening in the year 2020, maybe skip forward about a year yeah. and you probably find like a four parter about sex.com yeah. and the, uh, the, 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 the ongoing. This has been going on for 24 years now. It's still going in the co-in, wow. the, co the con man still con. He calls up uh, 
He calls up the other guy. He's in the States now. So he's he's back in the US and he, they, you know, he still can't get him for anything. He calls up Kremen all the time just to taunt him. And now they have like a little back and forth. Because now Kremen's like he's super successful, insanely wealthy, very successful businessman. So now it's kind of a joke. But at the time when it all started, like he wasn't, he didn't even have the money barely to go to trial in the first place. Uh, so these guys should have a podcast together. Yeah, they to- they almost like seem like old, like they're total enemies and like, oh, I'm going to get you. And then the Cohen's like, no, I'm yeah. going to get you. But it's totally like not it's like a not fun game in some respects because they're like, no, I'm going to screw your life up and like both sides. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but it's almost like a game when they're talking to each other, you know, we should we should interview them, get them both. on. I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Kremen guys, particularly, he's I thought he'd be fun to get on. And the Cohen, I'd be kind of afraid to talk to him because he has a tendency to screw with whoever comes in contact with and he's really good at it (laughs) i was actually i was doing a thing and i was like uh, in the beginning i was like this makes him sound really bad and he is kind of a bad guy but like i'm kind of afraid he's gonna like you know with you'll be like hear about it and be like hey today i found out i'm coming for you There, there are some articles or um, we recently did on our top tens, which I won't mention. And I'm like, this is taking fairly heavy swings, at, like government entities yeah. that are, you know, from shady countries yeah. that are very shady anyway. And it's kind of, there was even a sentence like journalists don't like to speak out about this because they are afraid of like repercussions. And I'm like, all right, I'm skipping this one. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing is this guy is he does it more as a game. Like sometimes when like there is you look at his story, like though someone will write an article about him and he's like, all right, now I'm going to mess with you just for fun. You know, it's like a fun thing he does. So, yeah, it's uh, but then I did. I feel like I threw him a bone because I do say master con man and master law manipulator. He needs his own movie like this is this is like the best con man I've ever even heard of. And that's a legitimate. Yeah, that's a legitimate praise. Legitimate praise. (laughs) But at the same time, I you know, he does a lot of awful things and kind of a horrible, horrible person. Um, Like no, no ethical, you know, standards whatsoever. Let's get back to it. Where were we? Yeah. So so we got uh, I believe we were had Caesar. There's they're approaching him. Mark Antony's out the door being distracted. They come up act like they're going to discuss important matters with him. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so Caesar, uh, so an old friend of his actually is a uh, Tilius Simber comes up and, uh, and grabs him. He just grabs Caesar. And this, this kind of gets back to a little bit. Shakespeare, uh, is getting it a little bit right where, and he says, uh, he grabs Caesar and grabs, tries to yank his toga and Caesar's like, why this violence? Um, in Latin, of course. Ista quit in visas. Yeah. And, uh, so then the, some of the senators, they produce hidden daggers. They got them in their togas, you know, oh, no, pull them yeah. out. And this is the thing. Shakespeare makes it sound like Caesar just gets stabbed and, you know, whatever he's 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 done, you know. But the thing is, that Caesar was actually a really great soldier. Uh, and so he actually put up quite the fight um, back. And so it wasn't like it wasn't quite uh, as cut like quickly over. But the problem is, during the time he tries to escape, because if he can just get out of being surrounded, you know, he can, you know, go rally some some of his other senator friends, and then he might, you know, he doesn't know about the gladiators waiting outside, but make a run for it. Yeah, exactly. But he ends up tripping. And when he trips, once he's on the ground, he's done for, you know, they all got the daggers. They just start stabbing him. And uh, this is where like, it's thought that Brutus was there and stabbed him, but like, it doesn't, there's no, none of the historical accounts give any indication that he cared that Brutus was one of the, one of the people that was stabbing him or even like paid any attention or said anything at all. It seems like when he was there, he was just He's died. He's laying there. He's bleeding. He's a soldier. He knows. He knows. He's, he's been stabbed a lot. He's not going to make it. And so, just to sort of preserve his dignity, he you know covers his covers his head with his toga, um, so he can like die and you know not 
So Papuki, and interestingly, near the statue of Pompey is where he lay dying. So it was kind of an ironical uh, thing there. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, and so this, this uh, the hope was that this would reestablish the Republic, you know, get rid of this dictator. But then, of course, enters, uh, which is a topic <laughs> for another day, but em- Emperor Octavian, who will become Emperor Octavian, who's amazing, amazing ruler. Like, he was like Caesar plus, like, you know, I don't know. He's uh, he's he's definitely worthy of a few episodes of his own. Yeah, but he's called emperor. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't sound so democratic. Well, yeah, no, no, he was told. But this is the thing. It's like it's one thing like dictators and all this bad. You know, generally thought is bad. But the thing is, if you have like a really good dictator, like they're probably one of the best forms of government if they actually care about their people because they're unilaterally they can just decree anything. And if what they decree is actually like bolsters the nation and is good for the people. But you just never really get this too much in history of like these people who, you know, actually do good by their nation or whatever. And he was, I mean, he was brutal and all that, like as as they were, but but he actually made Rome into something like even greater, you know, than it, Rome was on the verge of falling apart when Caesar was taking over because, you know, they, I mean, this was partially how he was able to do this. And uh, the, you know, the Octavian uh, Augustus, uh, he sort of righted the ship a little bit. This is that that thing, you know, dictators. It's if you've got a good dictator, yeah. and not just you know that that unilateral power, but dictators get to think really long term. Like yeah. a huge problem with democracy is like yeah. you know every three to five years, it's like let's get someone else in, yeah. or let me think about how I've got to appease a load of people who don't really yeah. like me, and then kind of water down my message or water down my plan. And it's like if you're a dictator, you could be thinking. 50 years ahead yeah exa- you know exactly you and can it, really be thinking long term and if you're not just like evil you know like but, but the problem is it goes to yeah. most people's heads like humans being humans it goes to their heads and then they just end up being like awful awful you know to their people and all this sometimes it can work out if you actually have a good one and not saying he didn't do uh, augustus didn't do a lot of horrible things because he in the in the process of gaining power you know he had to he had to get rid of a lot of people who would oppose him and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Romans, they definitely had their reputation for how they would do that. You know, just like mass killings and let's yes. just get rid of everyone. <laughs> Various levels of war crimes. Yeah, exactly. But uh, he was a fascinating and a pretty brilliant leader uh, in his, even if, you know, brutal and all that as they were. But um, anyways, so that's that uh, Emperor Octavian eventually takes over. And so then it uh, it actually goes the other way for them and, and it really solidifies the whole uh, Caesar emperor thing. Uh, so it didn't really work out, but yeah, so that's, that's basically the real story of the Ides of March. As far as we are aware, obviously there's, you know, historical accounts, who knows if they're all completely accurate, but, but we have to go on. Then we have it. I like that one. Totally different subject. Have you seen the Ides of March, that movie with uh, George Clooney? No. Is that like a, a good one? Recent movie? Oh, I'm just looking it up right now. Oh. It's uh, 2011. Yeah, this this was a really good oh. movie. I don't really remember much about it now. But, is that in uh, modern times or is that like... Yeah, yeah, modern times. It's uh, like about a political race between... Oh, nice. uh, who's the other dude? I think it's... Uh, what's his face? Um, Ryan Reynolds, maybe. It's it's really good. Hmm. I like the kind of political drama movies anyway, so I'm a little bit biased. But this is... Uh, that was a solid one. And George Clooney is kind of the bad guy. Interesting. Usually, usually plays the good guy. I'm just double checking. He is the bad guy. I don't know. It says he's a Democrat. Normally in movies, those guys are always the good guys. I don't know. Uh, it's a good movie. Go check it out. All right. So that's wrapping it up. Uh, as always, as I mentioned at the beginning, don't forget that we are, if you want, once we get to 100 reviews, we're going to give somebody who gave us a review a $100 gift voucher for Amazon. And 
uh, two runner-ups at $25 each. So head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, whatever you want. Uh, honest review is is appreciated. Let us know how we're doing. If you got any feedback for us, like like I said, like at the beginning, there was that guy who was talking about um, how we don't get. I realized this was not the best episode. We're not. We did we did go on off on some tangents, but they were they were good. And uh, yeah, so uh, maybe we don't always listen to our reviews, but we try, and that's what matters, right? Anyway, next week another podcast. Have a great week or weekend, depending on this one, when this one goes out. I wear the toga in this relationship. <laughs> yeah.